bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. It's the Hive Sports Podcast. Jazz, college football, bees, we got them all. So listen up, because we, 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 we got the buzz. Turn down the buzz! Welcome to another edition of the Hive Sports Podcast. Um, we got our Big Blues Day edition with, with Utah State coverage. I'm your host, Daniel Olson, and today we're going to talk to a special guest. Um, it, it's the second part of our, our series, so if you missed uh, yesterday, make sure to go back and listen to that. Um, but we have a special guest who has um, spent some time at BYU and Utah State, so we're going to be talking about the Utah State part. Uh, so I want to welcome a uh, former USU and BYU and Logan High quarterback to the show. Uh, Riley, Riley, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank, thanks, Riley. Um, and yeah, before we get to it, um, uh, all you that are listening, make sure to follow us on social media, on, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or all, all the big three. Um, and d- d- just feel free to keep interacting with us. But um, yeah, let's get started. So... So, so Riley, um, we go back to the our, our Logan High days. Um, yeah, when I was a freshman, you were a junior. You were um, we we had talked a little bit before about um, that Springville game, and they had never um, beaten or never lost since like um, middle school. So, so as far as like upsets go, like what what was how does that compare with some of the other? Um, upsets that you've been a part of yeah I mean it has to rank up there as top I I I didn't actually know about I mean that came out in the papers later that they hadn't lost in a number of years but what going into that came what made it even a bigger upset so we played Tempu right Springville and Tempu are in the same region we had played that team earlier which that was you know Stephen Covey and Luke Ashworth and Matt Reynolds and Houston Reynolds and Harvey Younga uh, that Tempu team lost to that Springville team that we were going down to play. And we had played the Tempu team earlier in the preseason and lost to them 49 to seven. So we were about to, we were going in there walking down to play a team that who beat a team that we had lost to previously in the season by 49 to seven. So the fact that we were able to keep it close, I think we scored late in, in, in overtime and then had a couple of breaks go our way, or sorry, we scored late in regulation that had a couple of breaks go our way in overtime. I mean, that, that has to be, you know, probably the biggest upset that uh, I was involved in in my football career, uh, and probably not a real close second. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's all. I was always cool to see those upsets. Like we we see it sometimes in sports, like you know, with college basketball. Even when the sixteen seed beat a one seed, like it's it's fun to see those upsets. And and in high school, I think that's really underrated. Like maybe sometimes people don't focus as much in high school, but. Um, high school kids are just playing for the love of the game. They're not playing for scholarships or money or anything. They're just playing for, for that love. And, and so it, it was, it was cool to see Logan high. Um, I think you guys ended up losing the next game to, or after Springville, you lost to Lone, Lone Peak, but, um, but then you guys came back your, your sophomore year is kind of um, opposite. So like some of those close games, that those were fun, but you were just running over teams your sophomore year. Um, senior, and, yeah. You said sophomore, senior year. Yeah, oh yeah, my sophomore year, senior. My bad. Um, but um, yeah, there was one loss. Um, but but then you guys just trampled over 
um, the Pine View at State, but um, kind of when you got you sit with your brothers or dad over the dinner table, like how do you think that your team compares like your brother DJ or your dad's teams at Logan High? Yeah, you know, there's been a lot of great teams come through Logan High. My dad, like each one has has a little bit of a distinction, right? Like uh, my dad's team was the first state championship at Logan High. And then they went back to back in 88 and 89. And then Coach Rivero got hired. His first state championship was in 2000. And uh, and then we happened to be his second uh, for, under Coach Rivero, which which was a great distinction for me. And then, and then of course, my brother came along in 2011, both brothers. One was a starting quarterback. The other one was a safety. And and they went undefeated again. My brother went undefeated. My, you mentioned we had the one uh, loss on our, you know, the one blemish um, on our record. But, you know, it's fun. We kind of compare like, oh, well, we had the better defense. Well, we had, you know, we had the higher flying offense. And then my dad comes in and all of you guys wouldn't have ever been as tough as our team. And so it makes for a lot of good, fun conversation. And we're all old enough now. We're, we're firmly in that has-been territory to where uh, things don't get heated and we can all just kind of throw out the same old tired arguments and, and it's been left undecided. If there were to be a judge in it all, it had to be my mom because she was there for all three. Her and my dad were high school sweethearts. And then, of course, you know, she was there for each one of her boys. And But she has uh, abstained from voting for all these years. But if anyone's going to settle the record, it'll probably be her. Yeah, it, it definitely is tough for moms because, yeah, I, I know it is like, like I think I told you before, like sometimes I argue with my brothers about times and my mom's like, well, you all are good at your own specific thing. Like maybe my mile time was faster, but then my brother has like a faster two mile time. Or yeah, it's it's fun to kind of compare um, with siblings for sure. Um, so our our BYU um, host of the podcast, Jake Sorensen. Um, how, how are you doing, Jake? Doing good, Dan. How you guys doing? Good. So yeah, Jake, um, he has the, he'll be doing the, you can listen to his BYU edition of the, of the Hive Sports podcast that was recorded on Monday. Um, but for, for this one, um, Jake, Jake, you had a question for Riley, right? Yeah. I was just wondering, like during your recruiting process, how often do coaches bring up like specific games that you played, maybe specifically the Springville game and like highlights or specific plays that you had, is that something that you even bring up at all? Or is it kind of just like an overarching, like this is your season. This is, you know what I'm saying? How often do they bring up specific games and things that way? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, the Springville game was a tape. So I sent out a highlight tape, but then I also sent out the, the whole Springville game. And uh, I, the secret's out. Like now that I know coaches and I have former teammates that are coaches now, and, and then also, you know, we've got huddle. I mean, guys, we're talking 2004, 2005, right? So that might as well be 100 years in the past. So recruiting was a lot different then than it was now. But I know that Springville got uh, Utah BYU and Utah State serious about looking at offering me. I didn't get my first offer until the start of my senior year. Uh, so the Springville game helped. And then I can tell you, I know for sure. So I got Utah State right at the beginning of my senior year. I got BYU right after the state championship game. Uh, but I still wanted to go to Utah really bad because they had just finished with Alex Smith. And, and I thought I had a similar skill set. And I sent in my state championship game there. And I know my state championship game as a single game tape uh, was instrumental in getting me offered to Utah. So coaches, like, here's what I'll say. Like, they're not passively sitting there watching me. I wasn't that profile of a recruit. There's sometimes, like, I was more having to, like, push and sell myself to them. But I did use those games and those games in big spots. Jake, to your question, so, like, 
rather than looking at the whole body of work over a season, if you can point to, all right, it was playoffs, lots of pressure, big spot, good competition, like all of those things. And you can drop that on a coach. It, it takes care of a lot of work for him. So he doesn't, he's not having to go and search all that out for himself. It's kind of all wrapped together in one nice little package. And then they can make a good evaluation on you. And that worked out in my favor, both that Springville year and then the next year in the state championship game. That's awesome. I just kind of always wondered, because I, I mean, I see some of these higher profile recruits, you see them on ESPN. And then you see the guys that are more local hear about Zach Wilson recently. Like it took some time for, so for him to get as much traction as he would have liked. Um, but it, it's, that's always interesting to me is just to hear how recruiting goes on. And I guess with that, so you're selling yourself to the coaches, how involved do your parents have to be in that process of your recruitment as well? Or is it kind of left up to you and your coaches to kind of do? Yeah. And like, you know, I think again, like we are talking about uh, might as well be a century away because things are so much different now than they were then. My parents were there as an advisory role. Like they weren't telling me or pushing me or, or doing anything for me. My parents were much like, if this is something that you want and a goal you want to accomplish, you go out and get it, get, go out and get it. Let us know how we can help. Um, but they weren't, they weren't very involved. I mean, they, I, I, I kind of ran some things about them. They gave me money at the time. I had to rip DVDs, right? So I was burning DVDs to send out my tape, and, and they were helping me with the money to mail it and stuff like that. So they were involved there, but, but nothing else until I started getting coaches coming and doing home visits and things like that. They really were out of the recruiting process until that point. Heck, even I remember my junior year, you know, they have these recruiting days where they offer anybody who's on, even on their recruiting map. Maybe they're not even thinking about offering them but you can sign up and you can get tickets, right? So I did that to Utah. I did that to BYU. My parents didn't go, didn't really have any interest in going. I just got in the car and went and did those by myself. So my circumstance was very self-driven, but I think I could have gotten, but now I think about today and I think about the demands. I think about how much it's changed. I don't think the parents have that luxury anymore. And I think the more they can be involved in, in a supporting role, not interjecting themselves in the recruiting of their kids, but the more that they can be involved in supporting the kid um, because things are at such a different level than they were, you know, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, I think it'll be better off for not only the player himself, but their family as well. That's awesome. Thanks so much for going in depth on that. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks Riley. That was, that was good to hear. Um, and it was good that you, um, I mean, it seems like, yeah, your parents have, I've always been really supportive of you guys, but um, it, it was good that you're able to to really s sell yourself and 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 so yeah, you did really well. And that kind of surprises me that they waited till your senior year because I, I think you ended up being a an a all American. So, but but maybe that was more so like your senior year is when you started getting those those awards and setting the records and everything. Yeah, is that I was right. Yeah, that's correct. I was I was all state, but I didn't get any regional or, or national uh, awards or recognition. And I did go to camps like I went to the camp. I went to four camps between my junior and senior year. But like I'm, I'm a six foot, you know, scrappy white kid from Logan, Utah. Right. Like I, there's, I'm a dime a dozen, really like um, being about. It. So I really needed the opportunity to show how I could compete and perform in those big spots for those offers. So I don't hold it against those coaches. I don't think that, you know, if I were in their situation, making a making a similar evaluation, I probably would have concluded, uh, come to the same conclusions they did up until my senior year. But I do think the body of work of, 
of, of my senior year and, and what I was able to demonstrate on the field. But then, and then also as I was meeting with coaches and, and they gave me more than just kind of the token look and they started, cause here is another thing that, you know, they, they have you down and they put you up on the board and they kind of get a feel for how cerebral you are, how intelligent are you, how do you approach the game? And, and they were able to see that I was a kid, I was athletic enough. I had, I was competitive than most, I was more competitive than most of the kids that they were uh, recruiting. And then also I, my approach to the game, and this is in large credit due to my high school coach, but it was far more intellectual. I was far more advanced intellectually. Um, again, thanks a lot to my high school coach than a lot of the other guys. So while maybe from a, you know, from like a measurables or a tool standpoint, I was maybe middle of the road. I was uh, exceptional in, in a couple of the other areas. And that was good enough to get me uh, scholarship offers from Utah State, BYU, and Utah. All in different forms. You know, Utah State was right away. BYU was for after my mission. Uh, Utah was to come and play defense. Um, but they were scholarship offers nonetheless, which was something that had been a lifelong dream for me. And, uh, you know, still think back on fondly uh, that I was able to accomplish it. Yeah, I got to have the – I mean, those are the big three schools, right, the three FBS schools. So so that that's awesome that, that you were able to – to get that. Um, and so, and so before we get into the USU section, we're still kind of touching on, on Logan high, but Mike, Mike Favero, I mean, he was instru instrumental in all those state championships. Like how instrumental was he to your re recruitment process? I think the simplest way I can put it is that without coach Favero, I very likely would have been a junior college guy and had to have gone and played junior college in order to prove my, uh, ability to play at D1, but he was able to put me in positions to be successful. He was able to push me and aid me in my development to where, like I said, when I sat down with college coaches, I was able to uh, stand out from the the pool of recruits of other recruits that they were uh, dealing with. And, and so, you know, I, my debt of gratitude to him will probably never be fulfilled. And then just also it, it never hurts when you're working or when you're being coached by one of the all time great prep football coaches in the state. And that's what I had the good fortune of, of being my situation. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he has, well, see, he has two with you and then one before and then, and no, wait, not, no, not two with you, one with you. And then, so he has like total, what is it? Five, five state championships. 2000, 2005, 2007, 2011, and then 2015. Yeah. So, yeah. so those five. So yeah, that is really impressive. I, enjoyed seeing that and I mean he's well respected I, I um I don't know how many people know him nationally but I know Helix High School I think the year after you graduated they went and um that's his alma mater where Reggie Bush played and I mean we didn't we didn't do so well I mean you were graduated and I'm sure we still had some guys that were good but I mean Helix just has a bunch of studs there but it's yeah I think people especially here in the Utah scene people know who he is even like five years after like people remember fondly like I, I remember fondly when Logan High was like just the top of the the map, um, and and not not just in because I remember when you guys went down to three A. I know some of the other schools in the valley were like, oh, it's because you're going against smaller competition. But like you, you, Logan High is one at three A and four A. So I think no matter where you put the like like you've said before, like little like Logan High, like nobody did anything with that really. I mean, your your dad did for sure, but they weren't on the map really until. Favero got there and just made him like a dynasty. Most definitely. Yeah. Like I said, one of the greatest 
high school football coaches and, you know, he was in a rural community or somewhat rural community. I know we don't think that way being from Logan, but I know I've lived down here, you know, in on the Wasatch front for long yeah. that everybody else thinks uh, that way. And, and so probably didn't get the recognition of some others like a Roger Dupay or a coach Peck down at Bingham, or, or right now you got care at, at corner Canyon who was previously at Jordan, but man, he can go, he can, he can coach stride for stride with any one of those guys. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because I remember thinking in Logan, like thinking like sometimes like me and some of my Mountain Crest or Skyview friends, I would joke like, oh, you guys just like drive your tractors to school or you're like country boys. But like every everybody in Provo or Salt Lake probably thinks that about even though Logan's like a city, like, yeah, compared to down here, it's just um, uh, I, I'm here in Eagle Mountain and just the whole Utah County, Salt Lake can get pretty crowded. But that's one thing I like about Logan. Like you just there's not I mean, a ton going on. So like football on Friday nights like for the high school and then Saturday night I mean that that's like the main ticket in town for sure yeah I wouldn't uh, have traded growing up there for the world and let's not talk about it too much because then the secret will get out and people will start moving up there and find out how what we know to be true and how great it is oh yeah true because I mean people are already starting to move here from California so yeah please nobody Nobody come to Utah. It's terrible. It's cold. It's far away. It's frozen all year round. You don't ever want to go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do remember some inversions and stuff. Had to, you have to work out inside and stuff. But um, so if we kind of fast forward to Utah State, but, um, but before that, I, I was kind of curious. I know last time when I talked to you, we talked about the Letterman's jackets, but like, do you, um, besides, I know you wear your Logan High ones at games. Um, did you ever get like a Utah State or, or a BYU one as well? Yeah, I have uh, jackets from both. Funny story about my Utah State. So I played at Utah State in 2006, uh, lettered as a, as a freshman, started seven games up there and um, became very good friends. We were getting a lot of recruits out of Texas at the time. And for anybody who follows hip hop, that was like the Mike Jones, Paul Wall, Young Thug. Like that was that era of hip hop, which heavily influenced my teammates and me as an 18 year old, you know, college freshman playing, playing college football. So at the time, the trend was, if you remember, like a big song, Petey Pablo or like in my white tee was a big song. So big overdressed clothing like that was, in fact, go look up the suit that LeBron James wore to his draft night. And that'll give you a feel for like the fashion. So anyway, the funny story about my Utah State letterman jacket is like i'm a large like pretty much anything i'm a large maybe an xl and some stuff that runs small right but like i'm a large i should have got my my letterman jacket in a large but all my teammates all of us that were freshmen and lettered we go in it's our turn to go put our order in for our jacket and they're all ordering double x and i'm not talking like lineman dudes i'm talking about like pollock bully who was a really good he was four-year starter good linebacker up at utah state and paul was my real good friend and paul and i i mean paul was maybe an inch bigger than me and maybe, you know, 10, 15 pounds, but he wasn't like, he wasn't two sizes bigger. And Paul, so Paul puts in his order for two X and I step up there and I'm like, Oh, I'll go a large. And, uh, and, and Letterman's jackets run a little bit long, run a little bit big to begin with anyway. So Paul is like, and with his, you know, Texas twang, he's like, Riley, how are you only going to order, order a large? You're going to be walking around like a preppy. Right. And so he like throws that insult at me. I was like, okay, fine. I'll give an XL. So I ordered an XL and it drowns me. Like I put it on today. The sleeves like are either super bunched up or they go past my hands. 
and like I, I could fit like my whole family in it. So anyway, bottom line, I, I still have it. I don't wear my Utah State one because I look ridiculous in it. Uh, my, but my Logan High and my BYU ones are like more fit like normal jackets. And uh, But that's a funny story about my Utah State Letterman's jacket. So even though I don't wear it, I probably have the best story around that one. Yeah, that, that's definitely that's it's, it's awesome that you have a, a story to go with that. And yeah, Letterman's jackets are fun. I I actually, so last time I think I talked to you, I had my Logan High one, but I actually, so I never lettered at Utah State. I wasn't fast enough, but one of my friends that did um, cross country, he was selling his. And so I convinced my wife to get it for like an early Father's Day present because he was selling it for a good deal. Like, you know, new, like, yeah, they're, they're expensive, but, but it, it, so, so I guess that that's a way to get it for cheaper is just to get, buy it from someone. But I mean, I didn't really earn it, but you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's fun to, to wear those letterman's jackets for sure but um so yeah you mentioned utah state um so uh, one yeah I, I do remember kind of wa- watching that close when um it was the back when utah state was struggling a little bit but you you led them to a win versus fresno in an overtime so um I, and you had been used to winning a bunch with logan high so like what was the feeling kind of playing for a team that's kind of a little bit down it's, it's almost like you're getting drafted to like the Jets, like Zach Wilson, like to a team that's kind of struggling, like, well, what's the feeling in the locker room after pulling off a win like that? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was our first win of the season. We had struggled mightily first four games. We didn't score an offensive touchdown. Uh, fifth game was against Idaho. I got thrown in the second half and we had a couple scoring drives. We still lost like 30 something to 14 or uh, all this stuff is out there on college football reference. So you can look it up. My memory's probably oh, yeah. not probably not that great. Again, we're talking 15 years ago and I'm just going off, off my memory. I, I haven't gone back and, and researched my own stats maybe as well as I should, or may, who knows, maybe that's an uncle Rico move and it's good that I haven't done that, but uh, no, it was, um, it, it was good. You, you talked about, we talked about the underdog at, at Logan high. I remember the thing I remember about that game going into it is Vegas had us as 27 and a half point underdogs. So they were expecting Fresno State to come in and beat us by four touchdowns. And it's not like Fresno State was a top 25 team. Fresno State was just kind of middle of the pack, you know, Whack Mountain West um, group of five team and uh, coming into to Utah State. But the feeling was just one of like, because we still worked hard. Like, even though we were bad, we still practiced. We still worked hard. We still went through fall camp. We sacrificed just like everybody else. We just weren't putting it together. And I mean, looking back, two things. One, we just weren't very talented, right? We didn't have, we had some talent, but we didn't have enough at enough position. We didn't have enough talent at enough positions to really be put in this position to be successful. Uh, and then the second is we just, you know, we're playing some good competition. We never really, and not a lot of opportunities for success presented themselves. So to be able to come out of that win and do it in dramatic fashion, scoring the game winning touchdown with, I think it was like eight seconds or 11 seconds left or something like that. Um, it definitely felt good. And then even though we weren't able to produce another win the rest of that season, we were at least more competitive. We were in some games, you know, we were close down to the wire against San Jose and, and against New Mexico state and against Louisiana tech didn't come away with any W's there, but it was at least enough to where guys weren't checking out. Cause they could see that we were, you know, taking small steps forward, even if it wasn't producing W's on Saturdays. Yeah, that's true. And and I mean, after that, I think that was the only one win season I remember. And it got kind of slowly better with um, Brent Guy. And, and yeah, he ended up, um, the Aggies ended up moving on. But I actually did just quick check your sports reference. So 
in the Fresno State game, you were you completed nine of 19 passes, so 47%. But, I mean, you had two touchdowns, and you protected the football. You didn't have an interception. Um, so, so, yeah, it looks like overall a good game. And you had – so your rushing yards here, was you, you, you ran it quite a bit. You had, like, 76 yards, and that's something that I remember – about your game in high school. So, so definitely you had a, a noteworthy performance helped the Aggies avoid, you know, you never want to see an o, a zero in the win column. So it's, it's good that you, you got that one. And yeah, win however necessary. And like you said, we weren't, we weren't a high flying offense to begin with and a true freshman in his first start, you know, you're probably not out there going to let him throw the ball all the way around the field. And so just kind of do whatever you got to do to, to, to get the job done. And again, it's it's a memorable win. That's definitely one of my top football moments out there. And it was great to be able to share it uh, with all the, you know, for all the years prior, I was 18 years old and on the field. But for the 17 years prior, I was one of the supporters in the fans. And so to be able to contribute to a very small piece of Aggie history, very small um it, it really meant a lot to me personally and and uh and to my family as well yeah and and, and I, I really like that i mean that that is cool like you talk about aggie history and your your family goes back um uh, four generations so you're like a fourth generation aggie um for your time there so um who, who are some of the people in your in your family history that stand out to you i mean you made your mark um and then some of your brothers after you but before you like who are some of the other people that helped shape the Aggies from your family? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to top the uh, up at Utah State. For those that aren't familiar, it's the Nelson Fieldhouse. It's the George Nelson Fieldhouse. And that's my great, great grandfather. He was an immigrant from Norway who uh, was working as a he was a logger. He was up cutting down trees. He, he first he landed in Seattle and then kind of worked his way down, found himself in Utah and in addition to logging, we're talking back in the early, you know, 20th century. So the 19, we're talking the 1910s, 1920s, he would box and wrestle um, on the weekends and they would do it for money. Like they guys would bet on it and they would have a purse. And that was the local entertainment in these logging towns or in these small rural communities. And he was extremely, I mean, he went on to have, he went on to have a, a full-blown uh, wrestling and boxing career, came back to Logan and uh, was the longtime wrestling coach and athletic trainer for Utah State for over 40 years. And the field house is named after him. So truly my, my direct last name, my direct great, great grandfather, sorry, great grandfather, only one great grandfather's name is on there. And then my grandpa, Rod Tuller was a, was the head basketball coach for eight years at Utah State. And then after his tenures, that became the athletic director. So it's, it's hard to touch that. That's my mom's dad. But outside of that, my dad played football for him. My grandpa played football for him. My grandpa, who it was the son of George Nelson. So he played in the he played in the late 40s, early 50s. My dad played in the 80s. Uh, I have two uncles that played basketball for him in the 80s. I have an uncle that played football for him in the 70s. I have a cousin that played, walked onto the basketball team in the early 2000s during the Stu Morrill heyday. And then, of course, me and my three brothers we're all fortunate enough to play. So Aggie athletics runs deep. I always tell people that like, I'm, I'm an Aggie by birth, but I'm a Cougar by paper. I can't change my DNA. I can't change where I came from. Like I, and, and I, you know, and, and by the way, I'll say that Aggie nation for the most part is forgiven the sins of the past. I'll call <laughs> yeah, them. Right? And I can go back. I went back and watched my brothers and it was not an uncomfortable or awkward experience at all. And so my Aggie roots will always be there. And I'm proud of those Aggie roots. Uh, I just, my, 
my individual path happened to lead me to BYU, and uh, and I'm grateful for that too. But it, it's definitely fun history, and Utah State will always be uh, part of who I am and who my kids are and who my family is. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, like you said, the Nelson Field House. So I'm guessing. So are you related to Spencer Nelson? He's your cousin. No, Spencer's. So I know Spencer well. Spencer's comes from a different. His mine were Norwegians. His were actually. Swedish Nielsen's so we both came over here they changed the and if you anybody who's done family history anyway they come over and they would have their Scandinavian their Norwegian or Swedish name and they change it to the English speaking equivalent and that happened to both Spencer and I but no we're not uh we're not related unfortunately from different different motherlands so so you meant because you mentioned a basketball player that played in the 2000s that was your cousin oh that was my yeah that was my cousin Casey Comedina so oh, he yeah, was a, yeah, yeah, he was a Logan High uh, great, and he walked on there and he played in a few games. He only kind of ever got garbage team uh, or garbage time, but uh, he was on some of those great steamroll teams of the early 2000s. I didn't I wish, Spencer was my, I wish Spencer was my cousin. Maybe I wouldn't have had the, you know, everybody doubt me for my height as a quarterback. I probably, if he was my cousin, <laughs> I probably would have been able to squeeze out maybe 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, but yeah, in the case. I, I mean, I, I think I told you I'm distantly related to Merlin Olson, but maybe if I was his kid, I'd, I'd be like a 300-pound like NFL <laughs> linebacker, but not 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 quite. Um, I'm kind of distantly related, but um, you mentioned the Nelson Fieldhouse. I actually I, we'll get in. I mean, it, I'm I'm sure that yeah, DJ touches on it more in the BYU um, section, but I actually remember watching um, your, your game when you were playing for BYU and led the comeback and. And I remember, like, we were all hyped. Like, Robert Turbin had an opening touchdown, and Jake Hughes was struggling, and he came in and came back and, and won that. And, and one funny story is, I don't know if you knew this, but the infamous, like, Brandon Davies game when, when BYU came to play um, in the Spectrum, there was a – like, there were – I mean, there's obviously some people giving Brandon Davies a hard time for, for some stuff that happened. But um, one sign that I thought that was, like, one of the, the – like, the only G-rated signs that it said – put Riley in so I thought that was kind of funny because like people still remembered like I mean people who followed you before that know like what you did at Logan High and all that but but um that year I mean that was just kind of the headline that that kind of Riley went and 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 beat the former team did did, did you hear about that sign at all being at the game yeah I was I was at the game sitting in seats that I'd sat in with my dad for you know 15 20 years so um, and that was that man. It's hard to beat the Spectrum. It's hard to beat Romney. I know it's Maverick Stadium now, but it'll always be Romney Stadium for me. But uh, I tell you what, like to be able to be just part of that. Growing up as a fan and as a kid, to be able to be in a place where anyone would even care or know who I was to create a sign, whether it was good, bad, or ugly, like I didn't care. Just to be able to be part of of uh, of college athletics in the state of Utah meant so much to me and, st- and still does now as an old has been. Yeah. And it definitely means a lot to a lot of people. I mean, th- um, that specific game was the last time that the Aggies have won in, in, in basketball. So it's kind of ironic now that we've had a little bit better fortunes in, in football with the Cougars, but, um, but yeah, it, it definitely is good that like, yeah, people, I mean, the fact that we're recording this podcast like a decade later, like, I mean, um, we definitely haven't forgotten. I'm sure a lot of Cougar and Aggie fans haven't. But um, I, so you kind of answered my question a little bit. But is there any? Um, what else do you think that you want um, Aggie fans to remember about your your time in Logan as a Grizzly and as an Aggie for the time that you were there? 
Well, one thing, and by the way, this was even playing quarterback at BYU, right? Like um, who care a lot about their football team and, and quarter, when you have the history at quarterback as BYU does, you're held to a very high standard and, uh, and people have a lot of ex- opinions and they express those opinions. So I know that I, nothing I can say or do will, will change some people's opinion. But if we were playing the wish game, like the only thing is just that my time at Utah State, my time and effort and uh, for that for that one season that I was there that I absolutely gave my all that, I, you know, I cared and invested everything I did to try and keep up, you know, my family tradition. And even though my path uh, ended up going down a different road, that doesn't change the fact that uh, I gave it my all as being an Aggie. I loved being an Aggie. I cherish being an Aggie. I still remember back on those times incredibly fondly. And uh, I, I don't think as an athlete, I don't think there's a higher honor than for, you know, a fan or someone who watched you play or supported you as a player uh, to be able to acknowledge that, uh, to acknowledge your effort uh, and time that you put in uh, to your craft, whether you won or lost. So that's, uh, that would probably be all I could ask of any Aggie fan out there. Yeah. And I think most Aggie fans, you, you know, uh, Aggie fans sometimes like we've, we've had, I mean, part of college, Athletics is just that people transfer, you know, I think David Collette was, was one that Aggie fans weren't happy about, but like, but I mean, ultimately I like, it's your choice. And, and like you said, um, um, even though you ended up at BYU, you know, you're, there's still plenty of time left and, and, you know, you're, you're, you've kind of crossed paths again. And, and Logan, like you were the quarterback coach for a while while your, your brothers were on the team. So um, and I know now that you're doing, and by the way, I, I love listening to your play calls. I, I can't wait for um, the fall time, but um, kind of, you kind of remind me a little bit of, of Tony Romo a little bit. Like, like it's crazy how like he has like, and I've noticed this, that you like, you, you can really dissect the plays, you know, Greg Rebell, he's kind of, I mean, he knows the plays too, but I, I feel like he's kind of the cheerleader, the one that like, yeah, like, like the, the you score a touchdown and he's like super excited, but um, and then you're able to kind of reel it back in and explain like um, the the football and analysis. So, um, but yeah, I definitely well, that, just want to. That's nice of you. To, yeah, that's nice of you to say thank you. I don't think uh, uh, I'm I'm flattered to be mentioned even in the same sentence as Tony Romo. But I'll tell you what, it definitely helps scratch the itch um, uh, for for that football that's been part of my life, and I hope will be continue to be part of my life. I I have two sons. And hope they're still young, but I hope when the time comes that they choose to play football and want to invest and excel in it. And in the meantime, until I can live vicariously through them, uh, the radio gives me an opportunity to stay close to the game and and have some fun and be part of some of those moments of other people creating some of the same memories that I did, you know, a decade or more ago. Yeah, definitely. And and I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's maybe maybe it's. I mean, you sounds like you're still busy, um, but. But yeah, definitely a good time to catch up in the fall or in the spring, almost summer, while like you know the football is slowing down. But I mean, NFL schedule just released, so that 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 was kind of cool. To it would be fun to see. I mean, the Cougars and Aggies, and as well as some of the the former Cougars and Aggies, like you know Jordan Love, right? Um, Zach Wilson. So that so that'll be fun. But I just want to thank you for your time and um, for for those that um, want to listen to part one. Um, Make sure to tune into um, Jake Sorensen's episode on on Monday. But but yeah, thanks Riley for for joining us on the Aggie podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me on. Dumb.
TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school. So check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz. Damn! 